We pray that as you listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. How, you, you love the Word of God? Yes. I've come to preach to you just a little bit. So uh, hang in there with me. If you can take it, we'll go for it. How's that? Uh, thank you for praying for our church. Our church is doing well. God is blessing it. And we're giving God the glory for all that's being accomplished. Only by His grace. Only by His mercy. And I want to say that I want truth. <clears throat> I want truth no matter what it costs. I want truth no matter what it does to me. And I don't just want the result of truth. I want truth. You see, some people just want the result of truth. They just want what truth will do. Balaam said, let me die the death of a righteous man. He didn't want to live the life of a righteous man. He just wanted the result of it. And what we want is the truth. And it's the truth that can set us free. I want to talk to you tonight about the blessing of spiritual detachment. What a title, huh? The blessing of spiritual detachment. Philippians chapter 4. If you have a Bible, turn there with me. I want to read a verse to you. Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 11. And you know this verse very well, I'm sure. Listen to what it says. Verse 11. And we're also going to turn to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 14. And I want to share some things with you there. Now, this is what God's been dealing with me about. And so I'm really just going to preach to myself. And you can listen in. How's that? All right. So uh, I'm talking to myself. I need this. So I'm preaching to me. Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 11. Here's what Paul the Apostle says. He says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Praise the Lord. Now, that word content is a powerful word. It means to be independent of my circumstances. And what Paul is saying is, I have learned in whatsoever condition I find myself to be separated or detached from my circumstances so that my circumstances do not dictate my behavior. And I'm talking to somebody in the church tonight who's allowing your circumstances to keep you attached rather than detached. And you need to become spiritually detached from your circumstances so that you can be content no matter where you find yourself, no matter what condition you're in. Because if you can be content in Him, then your circumstances do not dictate how you behave and how you act. The blessing of spiritual detachment. May God detach me from my circumstances so that I can be content in whatsoever condition I am. Whether it's a physical problem, a spiritual problem, a financial problem, whatever problem it might be, Paul says, they do not dictate my behavior. Matthew chapter 14, look at this verse. 
Matthew chapter 14, beginning with verse 13. John the Baptist had just been killed. He was buried. And it says, and when Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by a ship into a desert place apart by himself. How many would agree that sometimes you have to detach from your circumstances? Get apart. What do you think Jesus was doing when he detached himself, when he departed, when he went apart by himself? He was praying to his father. He was spending time alone with God. He was taking a step back so that he could look at things and gain the proper perspective of what's going on. Matthew chapter 14, you can see that. Well, the people found him, and so they followed him. And the Bible says he went around and healed everybody. You know, he just couldn't help himself. He had compassion on them. And when you get to Matthew 14, verse 23, he had fed the multitudes. And verse 23 says, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain... What's the next word? Apart to pray. When the evening was come, he was there alone. You see, Jesus lived the life of detachment from his circumstances. In other words, because of his being apart, getting alone, backing away, getting alone with God, what happened to Jesus? Well, when he came down from that place of prayer, what would he do? He would heal people. He preached the greatest sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, when he spent all night apart, alone in prayer. When he spent all night alone in prayer, he chose his 12 disciples. The Bible says when he was in Gethsemane and he spent that time apart, alone with his father, he could face his accusers. He could face the soldiers. He could face even the cross because he had detached himself from his circumstances because he was more concerned about doing the will of God than the circumstances that were facing him because he saw that the joy set before him helped him to endure the cross. And it was for your sake and mine that he did it all. Thank you, Jesus, for not allowing your circumstances to dictate your behavior because had they... I wouldn't be here today, and neither would my friend, neither would you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes we're just too close to our circumstances. Sometimes we're just too close to our situation. Sometimes we become too localized. You know, if you live on a mountain, you can't see the beauty of the mountain because you're living on the mountain. But if you can back away, how many know you can see the beauty of the mountain? How many know sometimes you're too close to the mountain and you can't tell how pretty of a place you live in? I had a smartphone. I gave it up. It was smarter than me. I said, you can have it. I didn't know how to work it. I just need a phone. (laughs) But when I did have one, I I learned a couple of things. One of the things I learned was how to check the weather on a phone. So I I got my smartphone out, and I pushed that little app that said weather app, and I looked at Bowling Green, Ohio. Have you ever done that? You look on the map, you want to see what the weather is for Baton Rouge? And you you look on there, and I saw Bowling Green. And it had storm clouds. I mean, it was just green and yellow and red. And I thought, oh, my goodness, we are in it. And I said, things are bad. Things are really bad. And I zoomed in to Bowling Green. Boy, things are bad. And then I found a button on there that gets you to zoom out. And when I zoomed out, I looked to the west. And right on the border of Indiana and Ohio, it was perfectly clear. And I said, glory to God, in about an hour, we're going to be out of this. (laughs) How many know what I'm trying to say? 
I'm trying to say that when you back away from something, you begin to see that it's not what you thought it was. You begin to see that this is only for a temporary time. You begin to see that the sufferings of this present world, this time, are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. We get too close to things, and when we get too close to things, it causes us trouble. And somebody's too close to a situation. And because you're so stinking close to it, you're beginning, it's beginning to have an effect on your life. It changes the way I face things when I back away. It changes the way I look at myself when I back away and get alone with God. And that's what we got to do. We're too close. Sometimes people are too close to a relationship and you got to back away so that you can see Get along with God, and then you can see yourself, see your circumstances, see your trouble, see your disease from God's point of view. And when you see it from God's point of view, here's what you find out. That God doesn't look at you the same way you look at you. You'll find out that God does not look at you in the light of your present failures. But he looks at you in the light of your potential. He looks at you as what you can be. He looks at you as what you should be in him. And if God can get you to an altar of prayer tonight, get you to sell out to him, he can change you from the inside out. And your circumstances will not matter. It will not matter what your circumstances are. They don't have to change anymore because you are changed. They don't have to change. How many know circumstances come and go? Sometimes we're too close to the headlines in the newspaper. Sometimes we're too close to academics. Sometimes we're too close to economics. Sometimes we're too close to the newspaper. Sometimes we're too close to the news tonight, tomorrow night. And it's beginning to affect us. But I will tell you this, if we can get away, get alone with God, begin to see things from his perspective, we will begin to learn Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. When I lost my mother and my father within three days of each other, and my four brothers, Larry, Gary, Terry, Harry, Jerry, that's the truth. You've heard me say that before. Stood up on the platform of that church, Philip. Pastor, we we stood in a circle and we said, what are we going to do? Mom's gone. And there was 300 people out there and, and it was a unanimous decision. Let's move it on. Let's preach it now. So four of us, five, are ministers. And so we all did that funeral. What a funeral that was. You see, friends, we can come down from that being alone with God, detaching from the situation. And we can come down from that place of prayer, knowing this, that they that be for us are more than they that be against us. But I question today this. What happens to us What happens to us when we get attached? What happens when we get too close, too localized to ourselves or to our circumstances? Well, there's some things that happen to us when we become too close, too attached. Number one, we get the wrong perspective on things. How many know what I'm talking about? You don't see things right. Number two, we lose our sense of value. You know that we, we lose, we, we lose the, 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 the what's important and what's not important. That's right. You see, when we get too close to something, not only do we 
Not only do we gain the wrong perspective, and not only do we lose the sense of value, what's important and what isn't, we also then begin, as a result, to focus on ourselves. We become me-oriented. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, you got to meet my felt needs. If you don't meet my felt needs, everything revolves around me, 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 me. You ever met people like that? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) I remember when I started my first church, Lady came up. I was only like 29 years old. I didn't know what I was doing. I still don't know what I'm doing. But anyway, this lady came. And she was brand new. She said, I just want you to know, Pastor. She, she was, uh, well, anyway, here's what she said. I, I'm trying to learn when to shut up. <laughs> she said, I just want you to know one thing. If you ever offend me, I'm out of here. Well, I'm like, well, okay. You know what I said to her? I said, well, it's only a matter of time. You know what? It was only a matter of time. You know why? Because everything centered around her. She was looking for it. You see, she got too close. She became the the center of her own universe. And when you are too close to something and can't detach, when you do not become independent of your circumstances, you are not content. You are not blessed. You are a person who thinks that everything revolves around you. And when that's the case, you'll never find happiness. And then as a result, we make bad choices. As a result, we make bad choices, number four. And number five, and this is what I want to talk about tonight. And number five, when we get too close, here's what we do. We begin, as Christians, to run ahead of God. We start running ahead of God, and we start taking matters into our own hands, and we take the initiative. When we don't become independent Of our circumstances. Paul said, I have found that in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be what? Independent of my circumstances. It doesn't happen overnight. It comes by getting alone with God and seeing things from God's viewpoint. And when you do, you realize God's on the throne, God's in charge, and He knows what He's doing, and I trust in His integrity. Therefore, I gain the right perspective. I have my sense of value. Things are not all about me. I make good choices, and I don't get ahead of God. Glory to God, I feel good. I think I'll keep going. So I want to talk about that, getting ahead of God. When we get ahead of God, we act in the flesh. I won't ask you if you've ever done that. But whenever we run ahead of God, we start acting in the flesh because we're too attached. You know, sometimes parents do that with kids. They're so attached to their kids because they're blood. How many know that sometimes... Other people who are not attached to your family, they're detached, can see more objectively what's going on. Ever been in Walmart? <laughs> and you look at the family and the kids, and you're saying, what that kid needs is a, needs the right hand of fellowship. That's what he needs. <laughs> My mother used to do that. She used to get a switch off the tree and hit me with it, you know, like smack us on the behind, you know. And, and she'd have me in her hand. I was just a little kid, and I'd start running in circles. I'm like, what am I doing? I don't know if you guys have ever done that. But mom's got your hand, you're running in circles, and she's doing this. And then she says, she says you, you, you want some more? I'd say, no, no. Are you going to do it again? No, no. And I kept doing it. She says, you want me to stop? And I go, no. I mean, yes, yes. I was so used to saying no. I kept saying no. I mean, there's a trick here. But sometimes you see it when you go to Walmart how you're, if you're detached from the situation, you can see better 
what's happening. You see, sometimes we're so close to something, we can't see. And what's happening is we start taking matters into our own hands spiritually. We get in the flesh, not in the spirit. And what's wrong with churches in our country today is they're acting in the flesh and not in the spirit. They're not doing things in the spirit. You see, we must get away, get along with God, and not do what John down the street does just because it worked for John. We have got to do what God has told us to do. Jesus said to Peter, what is that to thee? Mind your own business. Follow me. And that's what Jesus is telling me. Now, that's what happens. We get ahead of God and get in the flesh. So we take the initiative instead of waiting on the Lord. And then, boom, we get in the flesh and we try to fix something that can only be fixed in the spiritual. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 43 says it this way. That which was first was not spiritual, but natural. Afterward, that which is spiritual. How many know that it's a natural urge for us to want to do something in the flesh? How many know it's a natural urge for us to want to do something in the natural? And then after we've had our fling in the natural, and we've exhausted that, then we go to Jesus. And then we try to do things in the spiritual, which is a good thing, but we start in the natural. That's a natural thing to do. But it happens to us. Let me give you a couple of illustrations of that. How many remember Adam and Eve in the garden? Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, somewhere in there. When the Bible says that they sinned. And what did they do? The Bible says they knew they were naked. And the Bible says they ran and hid. And then what did they do? They had a sewing party. Remember that? What are they doing? They're sewing fig leaves together. What are they going to do? They're going to take care of the situation. And they put the fig leaves on. That's the flesh. That's taking the initiative. That's because they didn't go right to God. They did something to cover up their sin in the natural. You can never fix a spiritual problem with a natural remedy. And you are trying to do something in the flesh that can only be done in the spirit. And after they sewed fig leaves together, God comes along, takes the fig leaves, and gives them the only thing that can cover them. And friends, it's the result of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, that's the remedy. That's the remedy. That's the remedy. That's the spiritual remedy. If we would just go to God first and stop trying to do it our way, let God have his way, and you would see that he does all things well. You can't fix the spiritual with a natural remedy. But God let him do it. I mean, God will let you do it too. You get in the flesh, don't you? You get in the flesh. You say, oh, no, not me. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, no, man, I heard from God, man. I, I really did. I heard from God. I don't want to take away anybody's experience, but I would tell you this. Whatever experience somebody might have has to line up with this book. Say, well, this happened, that happened. Is it in the book? No, it's not in the book. Boy, I felt good. You know what? Don't want to take away your experience. Don't want to take away your good feeling. But I will tell you this. It has to line up with the book. So God let him do it. Stop running ahead of God. I want to say this. Stand still and see the salvation of God. Don't get ahead of God. Don't take matters in your own hands. Don't take the initiative. Stand still. That's what Jehoshaphat did. And see the salvation of God.
We get too antsy. Oh, got to do something. I got to do something. I just got, I can't wait. I got to do something. Stop it. Just stop. Stop, because if you do, if you'll wait and do what God says, you just might see something you would never have seen before. I may remember Genesis chapter 15, verse 4, when uh, Abraham is, got the promise from God to have a son. Yeah. And you all remember this. What happens? Abraham's too close to the situation. Too close. So he loses his perspective. He loses his sense of value. It's all focused on him. He makes bad choices, and he gets ahead of God. And you all know what he did. He goes into Hagar... Say, well, no, 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 wait, no, no, that was Sarah's idea. Right, it sure was. How many know Abraham was happy to oblige? <laughs> Am I right? Abraham wasn't saying, no, no, wait a minute. Abraham's like, hey, yeah, wait, I mean, hey, you know, you're, hey, hey if, if that's what you think we ought to do, well, then maybe we ought to do that. <laughs> Abraham wasn't fighting it. <laughs> so you know what happens when you try to do something, when you try to fulfill God's promise on your own? You end up with an Ishmael. You can never fix a spiritual problem with a natural fleshly remedy. When are we going to get it in the church world? We're trying to do things in the natural that can only be done in the spiritual. You can never begin in the flesh and end in the spirit. You can never begin something in the flesh and end in the spirit unless you stop, repent, and do it over. So what happens when, you, when, when, when he goes into Hagar, he gets ahead of God, and Ishmael then is born. And then what? I'm sorry, God. Then God says, okay, it's my turn. Yeah. And Isaac comes. And what happened when Isaac came? Ah, I'll tell you what happened when Isaac came. Ishmael taunted him. Yeah. Ishmael went after him. And the Bible says in Galatians chapter 4, it says the child of the flesh persecuted the child of the promise. Even so, it is now. That's what it says. How many know that that's still going on today? That's why gas prices are high. Did you know that? (laughs) You see what happened? You see, because Abraham tried to do something in the flesh that could only be done in the spirit, we are sitting here at four bucks a gallon. That is very true. You know, I know it's kind, of, it's kind of a chuckle thing, but the truth of the matter is, it only shows you that just because we start something in the flesh and praise God, he intervenes and comes in the spirit, that doesn't mean we don't have to deal with the consequences of our past decisions. But I will tell you this, God is grace, God is wonderful, God is merciful, and guess what, friends? The child of the flesh, though he persecutes the child of the promise, even so it is now, I got news for you, the child of the promise is going to win every time. That's exactly right. The answer produced by the flesh will never get you a spiritual result. You'll end up with an Ishmael on your hands if you try to do that thing in the flesh. But if we can be patient, if we can be patient and let God take the initiative. How many know it's hard to let God take the initiative sometimes? See, we're so close, we can't let him take the initiative. We think we know better. I'm really close to this, Pastor Jerry. Do you know how close I am to it? I'll go, yeah, you're so stinking close, you can't see the forest for the trees. You need to back off, get alone with God, and let him give you a word and give you perspective so that you act in the spirit instead of in the flesh. 
because your kids are going to reap the consequences. If we can be patient and let him take the initiative, we might not be so busy running around like a chicken with a head cut off, but we might be more effective for him. Did you know that? How many know there are people that can't stand? They have to be doing something, doing something, doing something, doing something, doing, 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 doing something, doing something, doing something, doing something, doing something. You know why? Because they can't stand to be alone with their thoughts. Did you know that? That's why they're running down the street with something in their ears all the time, because they can't stand to be alone with their thoughts, because God just might speak to them. God might give them the answer if they just wait for a little bit. Get into a mountain apart and pray. Get alone with God. Even Jesus saw the need for that. It's time for us as Christians in America that we would get along with God and we would come out of that prayer time with a right perspective, a right sense of value. We would make right choices. We wouldn't run ahead of God and we would know this, that our enemy is not the government. It is the devil himself. But God has gotten the victory over the devil and therefore I am content in whatsoever state I am in. Glory to God. Moses took the initiative, wanted to deliver the Israelites. Killed the Egyptian. Remember that? Hit him in the sand. How many remember that story? Guess what he tried to do? Tried to take matters into his own hands and do something in in the flesh that could only be done in the spirit. Ends up running for his life. He's in the desert for 40 years watching his, his wife's father's sheep for 40 years. Until finally God says, now it's my turn. That which is first is not spiritual, but natural. Afterward, that which is spiritual. That's the way we do things. But God, help us not to. Let's let's not do that. So he hides the Egyptian, runs for his life. He's in the wilderness for 40 years. And all of a sudden, the burning bush appears. And what does God say? I'm going to send you to Egypt, and you're going to deliver these people. How? My way, not yours. What's that in your hand? A stick. Good enough for me. Throw it down. You see, you don't need something complicated. All you need is the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if that's not enough, I quit. But it is enough. It is enough. That testimony on that screen tonight proves that it is enough. The blood of Jesus is enough. I don't come here with any gimmicks or any, any, any uh, talents or any. Well, well, you know, I only have two talents. And, and, and Pastor Philip, he's got five. That's not fair. Hey, you know, that other guy might have five and you might have two, but maybe you only need two to fulfill what God has called you to do. So be happy with two and be content in whatsoever state you're in and stop getting so stinking close to it. Back off, get along with God, and you'll see that God has a plan for your life. And you won't be comparing yourself to everybody else. And you won't be worried about your one talent. But maybe one is all God gave you because that's all you need. That's a compliment. No, hey, see, you get the right perspective. See? Duh. It's not that hard. We need to see God take the initiative in our lives. God wants, as you grow mature, to see that initiative be transferred from you to him. As you grow and mature, he wants to see that initiative be transferred from you to him. Let him take the initiative. This happened to me many years ago where I began to see how getting too close to something can cause me a little heartache. And this is in the area of witnessing, talking to people about the Lord. So it happened many years ago, and 
I was learning, and I'm learning. I didn't, I didn't use this terminology then, but it's God taking the initiative, Pastor, in my life. And I had taken a seminary class. I lived in Ohio. I was going to take a seminary class in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So I, I, I decided to take a train. Never been on a train before. So I thought, well, if I take a train, I can study all the way there because I needed to, you know, read some books and et cetera, et cetera, you know. So I took this seminary class in Minneapolis. It was for one week. I was going to stay with a couple of friends that lived there. I went to Bible school in Minneapolis, so I was very familiar with the area. So I went on the train, kind of a cool experience. Went there, stayed with my friends. Now, I had told the Lord, but I went. I said, Lord, I want you to lead me. You guide me. I want to, I want to talk to somebody about Jesus this week. How many have ever done that? I want to talk to somebody about Jesus. I want to lead someone to Christ this week. Now, I'm going to be in seminary class all day long. So everybody in seminary class was saved. And, and so uh, afterwards, we're going to go eat. We're going to be at the house. And when am I going to have a chance to reach anybody and talk about the Lord? So, Lord, I want you to do it. Now, I could pass out a 1,000 tracts. I could go down the street and do whatever. And that's okay to do. That's not wrong. That's a good thing. But you know what? I could do that, but I didn't. I said, Lord, you take the initiative. Because, you know, the Lord knows who's ready The Lord knows who's ripe. The Lord knows who's ready to fall off that tree as a piece of fruit into your hand. I believe God knows. And if he doesn't know, then he's not God. And I believe he does know. Therefore, Lord, just lead me. All week long, I never had anything. Talk about a discouraged guy. Saturday. I had to leave Saturday morning at 7 o'clock in the morning from the train station. Got up at 5.30. My friends drove me to the train station. I got back from the train in Ohio at midnight. Had to preach next Sunday morning. So I go home at midnight, one in the morning, I had to preach the next morning. Didn't know what I was going to preach about. Didn't really care at that point, I was too tired. But I got, I got to the train station in St. Paul, Minnesota, at about 7 o'clock in the morning. My friends that took me there, they said, hey, you know, we'll stay here with you. I said, no, 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 just go ahead and go. And, I'm, and I get and the line is so long. I'm like, what? I got there just a little late. I'm at the end of the line. Everybody, ever, anybody ever been at the end of the line? And you're like, what am I doing at the end of the line? I hate being at the end of the line. This is really ridiculous. I got a long wait on my hands. So they went and left, and I'm standing there like this in my suitcase. is grumpy. Not that you've ever been grumpy. I'm just saying. You know, bless your heart, but my heart. No, I was kind of grumpy. I was like, so I'm standing there, and I'm waiting. And, and all of a sudden, I say all of a sudden, it was. was. This guy comes over the intercom. Her fire for your church of Chicago. I said, what? Everybody ever had, you know, you're at the store, and they say something. Like, what is this? You know, and, and all I heard was Chicago. Well, that's where I was going, Chicago. So I said to the guy, I said, what is that? What, what is he saying? He's saying everybody that's going to Chicago up against the wall. Everybody going to such and such a place over against that wall. I said, okay, cool. So I grabbed my bags, and I went over to the line. And boy, it was a good thing, because it split the line. You know where I ended up? Almost to the front. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, I was real spiritual. Jesus is good. Now, before that, where's God? But after that, good Jesus. Before that, bad Jesus. Right? Right. But after that, hallelujah, spiritual man all the way. Found myself standing real close to the line. Boy, I thought it was pretty good. And I got behind a girl, a college student from a university in St. Paul. And as I was standing behind her, and we started a conversation. She was from India, from... uh, Bangalore, India, of all places. Her dad was a heart surgeon. I struck up a conversation. I could tell that she had been crying, that she had 
somehow been in distress. And so I began to share with her about the Lord. And I thought, this is it. This is it. Lines start moving. I realized that by the time I get... Now I, now I didn't want to be at the front of the line. Now I was like, how come I'm in the front of the line? I should be back here. I have more time to talk to her. But had I not been where I was, I wouldn't have met her. And so we started talking. So I gave her the whole gospel. So we're walking. And I'm giving her the whole gospel. Romans, you know, the whole thing. But by the time we get to the front, I had given her the entire gospel salvation plan. Told her how it was, what it was to get saved. How to get saved. Went through the whole thing. And then we got to the train... And the lady says, open seating. So this girl sat down. And I said, is this seat taken? She said, no. I said, may I sit there? She said, by all means. And for eight hours from St. Paul to Chicago, I talked to her about Jesus Christ. She had had a relationship gone sour. How many know sometimes people are in distress because of a relationship that they got too close to? Kara, you can help me now. A relationship that she got too close to and couldn't see this far. She didn't know the Lord. And so I began to share with her about her relationship issue. She told me, she said, I found my boyfriend with somebody else. And she says, I'm on my way to Chicago to see my aunt because I am drowning my sorrows, basically, because of a busted relationship. And as I talked to her about this busted relationship... I got my notebook out, and I drew her a picture. And this is what I drew her on that train. And her name was Ansu. And I said, Ansu, this is you. This is the road to intimacy, which leads to a sexual union. This is the road of commitment, which leads to a marriage union. I says, what happens is this. Guy meets girl. Guy says about girl, hubba hubba. Nice looking thing there. And he knows that women, and this is true, you know, women love commitment. Women want commitment. And let's not be stupid, guys like intimacy. I didn't hear anything out there, but I know it's true. That doesn't mean men don't like commitment and that women don't like intimacy. But for the most part, what a woman is looking for is a commitment. Love is a commitment. Now, I'm telling her this on the train. I said, love is a commitment. I said, and this is what happens. The guy knows that. And so what he says is, I love you. And when you say, I love you, when I said, I love you to Karen, that meant a lot, especially to her. Love is commitment to them. So he says, I love you. He gives her an inch of commitment. And she says, man, I never heard that before. That's the most wonderful thing I've ever heard in my whole life. Woo, glory to God. I think I'll let him hold my hand. So she gives an inch and a half of intimacy. She always gives a little more intimacy than he gives commitment. So he says, I like that. I think I'll try that again. Have I ever told you, honey lamb, that I love you? She goes, oh, man, never heard that before. He gives another inch of commitment. She gives another inch and a half of intimacy. And this continues on. And you hit the sexual union. Before you hit the marriage. And here is emptiness and void and hollowness and shallowness. And your relationship is empty, hollow, and you lose what you had and it becomes worse. 
And I told her, I said, this is what has happened to you. So I said, when he told you that he loved you, I said, he really didn't love you. He doesn't know what real love is. I said, but if we give equal amounts of commitment and intimacy, guess what happens? We hit these two things at the same time. I says, and that's the way it ought to be. And you should have seen her eyes, Pastor. They got about that big. And all of a sudden, she broke. And I said, there's somebody that loves you. And he made a commitment on Calvary's cross. And his name is Jesus Christ. And I shared with her that Jesus can come and he can take the empty feeling on the inside and replace it with his love and his joy and his forgiveness. And you can know the joy of the Lord today. And Jesus saved that girl on that train. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. All the way to Chicago. She said, said, would you pray for me again, Pastor Jerry? And we prayed three times before I hit Chicago. I prayed with her. I had to get off at Chicago. She got off and I went home. And I had my sermon for the next morning. But I told her I was going to get in touch with her. Keep in touch. My wife and I sent her a Bible. She went back to St. Paul. Lived there. Still going to college. A year later, it happened to be. Did you hear what I said? It happened to be. A year later, it happened to be that we were going to rendezvous with her in St. Paul, Minneapolis, because it happened, it just happened to be, that the year after was the general council of the Assemblies of God, of which I used to be a part, in Minneapolis, to which I was attending. So my wife and I and my kids rendezvoused with her in Minneapolis. Now, a whole year had gone by. So we rendezvoused with her in Minneapolis, we met her, we went to church, we took her to church on a Sunday morning. Now, in St. Paul, there's probably 20, 30 Assemblies of God churches. In Minneapolis, there's about 30, 35 Assemblies of God churches at that time. So that's about 60 or so Assemblies of God churches that one could choose to attend at that conference. Everybody follow me so far? The professor of the seminary class that I took a year ago, his name was Del Tar. He was the president of the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary. So my teacher a year ago was Del Tar, the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary president. I took her to church in St. Paul. We walked in the door of the church, and standing right in front of me in the foyer was the professor of that class a year ago. Del Tar was standing right in front of me. Of all churches he could have picked to attend, he picked that one. I walked in with Ansu and my wife and my children. And when I saw him, Karen took Ansu to the bookstore, and I told Brother Tar what had happened, and that I brought her to church. He says, do you know I was a missionary to India? I said, you were? Why am I surprised? He says, not only that, I was a missionary to Bangalore, India. I said, are you kidding me? He says, and I speak her dialect. He motioned to her from the bookstore, brought her out into that foyer, and began to speak to her in her own dialect. And he told her what happened a year ago was the plan of God. And he said, I want you to know something. He said that Jesus put all of this together so that you could come to this church one year later and run into me one year later. I taught the class one year ago. I was a missionary to the city that you are from. I speak your dialect. And the Lord wants you to know he's got a plan for your life. And he saved you for a reason. And hallelujah, that woman, that girl, came up to the altar that Sunday morning and gave her heart publicly to Jesus one year later. To God be the glory. I just want to say thank you, Lord. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say 
all the acts of the flesh I could have ever done could have never, could have never planned that. Anything I could have ever surmised, anything I could have ever done, could have never done that. And the timing of God, the timing of God, I got a little irritated because I was in a long line. God changed the line. He answered my prayer. He gave me a girl to speak to. She was from Bangalore. My professor was from there. He was a missionary. How many know God put that together? How many know only Jesus can do it? How many know that if he can do that for me, he can do it for you? Oh, may we let him take the initiative in our lives. And I only use that to tell you tonight that if we will let God take the initiative in our life, He can do something miraculous that you could never do on the face of this earth in your own power. Amen. 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 God would lead me. God would take the initiative. And I would be involved in a miracle that only God could have performed. Why did He put that man in that church at that day? Of all the churches he could have chosen, he chose that one to let Ansu know how deep the father's love for her. I don't know what happened to Ansu. haven't seen her, but I do know this. Somebody in India is hearing about the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you today, are you too close to your problem? You need to back off. Get alone with God. Somebody in the room tonight needs to get alone with God. Somebody in the room tonight has been too close. You need to see things from God's perspective. You know what? You failed, and the devil's told you that your ministry is over, but I'm here to tell you, you get alone with God, and God will show you that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and you can have the right perspective. You can make good choices. Things don't have to revolve around you anymore, and you can know this. God will help you not to get ahead of him, but you'll let him take the initiative in your life, and he will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. I hath not seen, ear hath not heard the things that God has prepared for them that love him. In Isaiah it says, God, I has not seen the things that God has prepared for them that wait for him. Why does it say wait in Isaiah? Yet it says love him in Corinthians. Because love is the motive for your waiting. Do you have the guts to come to the altar tonight? And wait on the Lord? Have you been taking the initiative in your own life? Have you been doing things in the flesh instead of the spirit? Is it your idea or is it God's idea? Friends, well, it's my idea. And boy, one person got saved or five people got saved. Well, that's a wonderful thing. But you know what? If it was God's idea, one Ethiopian eunuch still might have only gotten saved. But a whole country could have been turned around for the glory of God. If we'll just let God take the initiative. When God takes the initiative, friends... Adam and Eve's sin is covered by the blood. When God takes the initiative, the Ethiopian eunuch is met on the road by Philip. When God takes the initiative, Israel is delivered from Egypt. When God takes the initiative, Isaac is born, and to God be the glory. And when God takes the initiative, a young lady from India comes to know Jesus Christ, and her life is changed when God takes the initiative. Have you gotten in the flesh? Do you want God to take the initiative in your life? Well, then get along with him. And recognize this, you get too close, get detached, spiritually detached, and God will do things you could never come up with on your own. I have learned, ah, I'm learning, that in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be detached from my circumstances. Only then will you find true contentment. Amen?
Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, I sense your presence in the room tonight. There are some who are looking at this diagram up here, and you have probably had the same thing happen to you. And you wonder why there's emptiness in your relationship. It's because you got ahead of God, and you did things your own way. And whenever you do things your way, you always end up with a void and a chasm of darkness and emptiness in your relationship. But I'm here to tell you there's hope for you if you'll surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ and give him your life. He said, but pastor, I'm a Christian. Well, then repent of it and watch God. Watch God take the initiative for your life. I'm going to ask you tonight, are you here? And you would raise a hand and say, this message spoke to me. And I need to get alone with God and get my perspective right. Can I see your hand? Just lift it up. Just lift it up. God bless you everywhere. I'm going to ask you all in this congregation to stand. And if you We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.